welcome to Transition Gadget 360's gaming and pop culture podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Japanese role-playing game Persona 5, Blizzard's official launch in India, Destiny 2 and some news about Xbox Scorpio. And then in the second part of this podcast, we will be speaking about FX's TV show, a science fiction show called Legion. All right so the first part of this episode is largely going to be dedicated to Persona 5 because we have two die hard fans of the game right here in this podcast. So first of all let me introduce our game editor Rishi Albani. Hello. And we also have another JRPG fan that's Mikhail Madnani. Hi. And I am your host Pranay Parab. So where do we start with this game? I think we should go with what exactly is a Japanese role playing game and how it differs from the other role playing games that we see. So uh a japanese role playing game well is essentially a role playing game much like other role playing games but the difference is it's usually characterized in the way of the co- of a combat which is more often than not turn based a more deliberate pace of play and more often than not they have the stereotype of you have kids saving the world for some reason that's most of them and that aside the other tropes include the fact that the big bad boss usually square off against the end isn't the final boss of the game you'll have one or two more after that and i mean those are just some of the tropes but uh, that aside i think mike knows a lot more I on this even, subject i think even i mean dark souls and souls games are also jrpgs the whole thing is uh, over the last few years uh, combat has changed yes we've seen uh, wrpgs also known as uh, crpgs as they were as most popularly created by obsidian recently yeah. also doing turn based games so uh, i wouldn't really classify them as the combat more of the origin Yep. even like even though final fantasy 15 is a jrpg it borrows heavily from uh, open world western games and yep. it has a few of its roots left from where it came from so uh, the persona series is a spin off of the shin megami tensei series uh, which started on the snes or super famicom in japan uh, it's developed and published by atlas who are also the publishers of the game in the US while Deep Silver handles the European and uh, India release although there is no India release as you can read Yeah we we get to that in a bit so uh, the Shin Megami Tensei games had an entry called Shin Megami Tensei if uh, this is the origin of the Persona franchise and uh, the first Persona game released on the PlayStation 1 only in Japan and it was translated as revelations persona on the playstation 1 outside which i don't think i mean none of us have played nope uh, the ps1 version and uh, these games are very different from your average jrpg which is final fantasy for most people as that's the largest uh, name in yeah. the in the genre it's in the sub genre yeah uh the persona games uh even within the persona games you have uh, one and two parts for the second entry and these are very different from persona 3 4 and now 5 so most people got introduced to the franchise with persona 4 on ps2 or persona 4 golden on vita and also persona 3 to a large degree uh, in fact that's the one that actually marked a change in formula because i'm not mistaken prior games were had a more uh, post apocalyptic feel and were more sinister and darker and uh with 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 three onwards they actually followed the whole school system wherein you're essentially playing a, a high school student during the day and at night while well, you're you're slaying demons and uh, 
to a large degree, that's been the formula from Persona 3 onwards. And there, there's been Persona 3, Persona 3 FES, Persona 4, Persona 4 Golden. And these are mainly, be, these have all been on PlayStation formats. They haven't gone off the PlayStation format at all. So it started with the PS2, Persona 3 on the PS2, and then moved on with uh, Persona 4 on the PS2, Persona 4 Golden on the Vita. And in between, yes, the PlayStation Portable got Persona 3 Portable Edition. Uh, and that's how the structure's been, for more or less. They've essentially been, to a large degree, exclusive on the pers- on the PlayStation platforms? Uh, yeah, but there have been spin-offs which have made it to other platforms, like uh, uh, Arc System Works, the developer of fighting games like Blast Blue and Guilty Gear, collaborated with Atlas, and they released Persona 4 Arena, which released on both PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And uh, Persona Q, which is... Uh, Another spin-off of Persona, which meets another Atlas franchise called Etrian Odyssey together, is basically a game that combines Persona 3 and 4's cast together, and it takes place around the time of both games. So, uh, they have a, there are a ton of spin-off games, although Persona 5, which released on April 4th, uh, is the first mainline entry since the PlayStation 2 uh, 2008 or 2009 release so yeah, it's been a long time since there's been a mainline entry so it's a big deal and uh, as uh, as the reviews basically tell you it was worth the wait so uh, the games have really really been changing and also been retaining some of their uh, roots from the Shin Megami Tensei franchise in fact I'd go so far as to say the Shin Megami Tensei mainline games play a lot like a harder and more grown-up Pokemon to some extent. Because, yeah, uh, that's true. They are sort of monster collecting, except you're collecting demons. Or in the case of Persona, you're collecting Personas. Yeah. So you essentially use these to fight and they have skills. You essentially can only... Uh, sh- you have like gun combat or normal weapons and you can guard. But all the skills and affinities like you normally have in turn-based combat is handled by the demons or the Personas. So, and you can fuse them just like you can evolve Pokemon and stuff like that. So, they're pretty similar. So, if you uh, if you played the Persona games and found them too easy, like they actually are pretty brain dead. Uh, these these are something you should consider, these games. So, uh, Rishi's uh, still, uh, I think he's like well deep within Persona 5 right now. It's, it's very weird to see, and this is something we were talking about before the podcast started, that it's very rare to see a developer pay attention to the menus to the way Atlas has. So you have everything from the loading screens, which are basically customized depending where Take you are in the time. world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and you have uh, even, even each element, like the transition from Tokyo during the day to Tokyo at night is really cool. So uh, yeah, it's just a really, really great looking game. Though, the, though I would believe it should be called Persona, you can't take a screenshot or, or broadcast this broadcast this right now 5 instead of Persona 5 because, yeah, you can't share anything with anyone. Yeah, as soon as I fired up the game, it said you are entering a blocked scene. That's why game oh, yeah, recording like, is paused. I, uh, I disabled these animations because uh, a few Japanese games still do this. Yeah. Uh, although, like, Yakuza 0 had uh, all the sharing blocked in Japan, but thankfully, uh, Sega removed the restrictions when they released it in English. I was hoping they'd do the same for Persona 5, but uh, they've said they have no plans of removing the restriction because uh, they don't want the game spoiled, which is pretty stupid because, like, 
I can just spoil the game in four words right now if I wanted to, but I'm not <laughs> going to. So uh, I don't really know what they're trying to accomplish. So. Yeah, so I'm just gonna like drag you guys back a little bit. Um, asking a noob question, somebody who's never played any other Persona game. I started with Persona Five. I'm, okay. I'm only about like an hour into the game. So it, does the story continue from previous games, or am I missing out oh, on so, anything? Oh, uh, so Persona Five, all the mainline entries except for the two in Persona Two are completely standalone. Yeah. So they might have references to other games, but they'll only be the sort that uh, are for hardcore fans, and you'll you'll not gonna gain much by uh, missing out on them. So it's not really a big deal. Although there are uh, like there's things like posters on the wall in the station which will reference characters from previous games, or even a small item which you pick up in a used uh, in a used electronic store in Persona Five will remind you of things from the previous game. So. Those are more like fan service bits. It's completely standalone, and uh, it's a super place to start because it's like the culmination of everything they've uh, refined over the last ten years of co- turn-based combat, all executed brilliantly in in the newest entry. Yeah. So that aside, yeah. If you're if you're a newbie, you don't you can start here. This is a perfectly good starting point. It's good enough that you'd want to see what happened at least in Persona Three and Persona Four. Maybe not two and one, maybe not one and two, but at least three and four become. Easier to check out after this, uh, and what's really cool is, uh, yeah, there are some bits of fan service. Like you know, there's there's a persona called Jack Frost that's there in every persona game, which is you know essentially At- Atlas's unofficial mascot. So that that's there as well, and uh, it's the combat's really refined. The gameplay is uh, quite slick as well, and it it it's really good because it funnels your experience down to time management as well because the game gives you a set amount of time during the day. During that time, you can well decide to go fight demons. You can uh, decide to forge uh, relationships with people around you. So, and uh, how well you interact with people around you determine the amount of power your personas have. So, for example, uh, uh, you could essentially learn to uh, learn how to make coffee from a from a friendly barista slash host of yours who's who's allowing you to stay at his co- at his coffee shop, and doing so will actually let you f- uh, craft persona of a certain type to be more powerful. So yeah, so it's it's got a, it's got some cool hooks like that. In addition to it, you have your own stats. So like as a character, you have your own base stats like charm, dexterity, uh, or proficiency, as the game calls it, and even knowledge. So as you so during the day when you're in school, sometimes a teacher might just ask you a question off the cuff, and if you answer it correctly, you gain a point towards knowledge. Or if you let's say, or if you go and decide to help out uh, a medical practitioner with some uh, not so legal uh, medical tests by by having uh, experimental drugs, you 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 gain more in terms of uh, guts, which is mm. another proficiency, yeah, which like is another attribute there. Attribute. Yeah, so it's really cool that way, and uh, it it structures these interactions in a fashion that wants you to learn more, where you actually want to go out of your way to figure out and see each social interaction till its very end because there's a cool story hook to it, and sometimes these story hooks tend to be just as good as the main story. So like, along the way, you'll find a washed out politician. Who is uh, well basically had a very nasty past, but he's very good. But he's very he's a very good uh, orator. And if you speak to him, you get you get bonuses. Wherein uh, during combat in the game, if you, when you're close to beating an enemy, you can negotiate with them to get more money out of them. And that's a benefit he gives you if if you forge that social link. So it's so it lets you do all these things within a certain amount of time, and it it works really well. It balances itself out really well. So you won't just be fighting through and through. 
or you or, and you won't just be going through story dialogue through and through you'll also be exploring a fair bit of the world as you play yeah that's what so what like what based on what you said what i can think of is that it's not a game where you'd want to just pass through the main quest and ignore everything else and just you know uh, get things done if you're playing on normal or hard difficulty you won't be able to because uh, you miss out on a lot of uh, like raising your stats is very important because without certain stats you can't engage with certain characters like uh, your student council president is not going to talk to you unless you have certain stats so you got to work hard just like real life yeah yeah <laughs> and like uh, or, or for example like some of some of the your other party members uh you'd want to talk to them but they won't talk to you if you don't have your kindness to a large degree that's that, that should be high enough so it's it's all intertwined in a very interesting fashion i'd kill to actually be a fly on the wall at atlas's design studios <laughs> to see how they actually mapped out each stat and how it works yeah. because it's quite intricate i well, actually have seen that because uh, uh when i imported the game release in japan last september so i played it in a bit of it i mean like 40 hours still a bit bit <laughs> <laughs> I mean the English playthrough took me like 130 so yeah like I played 40 hours in Japanese uh, using Google Translate pictures on my phone <laughs> and uh, I actually imported the Japanese guide also so I could see how uh, they had mapped out each stat and they've really they have like a full calendar at the back which tells you this is the day you should do this so that uh, you max out all the cooperations with your confidence as they call it because uh, uh, you essentially play as someone who's on probation moving into an into tokyo so uh, it's very interesting to see that and uh, in addition to like going to uh, dungeons or palaces as they call it over here as a cognitive representation of the other world or whatever or just being in school you have the option to do part time jobs you there are like a ton of side activities you can go to the arcade play games you can go to the batting cages you can go to the gym you can just go to a coffee shop and drink coffee and if you have a book with you you can read it while you're there Uh, it's pretty insane you can even like go to this place called big bang burger and uh, have a colossal burger challenge and if you manage eating it all your stats get raised mm-hmm. but it all it's like too difficult to do initially so uh, there's a lot to do in fact a friend of mine when he played persona 4 golden on vita he created a spreadsheet for his activities to map it so that he could optimize what he's doing and also it gets pretty crazy the time management aspect if you go into the depths of it but you don't need to and uh, if you play it on like easy or whatever it'll be smooth sailing throughout and uh yeah even in the 130 hours there's no filler it's not like uh, final fantasy 10 where i spent 20 hours in my playthrough just grinding to get some certain ultimate weapon for the final boss or whatever you don't need to worry about much of that like it was really good so far pacing super yes yeah, yeah, so, so for uh, new players i think is easy difficulty recommended or would you still so say there's that's a, normal so there's a difficulty mode called safety which essentially lets you retry if you get killed in any battle with full health so it lets you brute force any uh any basic encounter uh, if people haven't played any turn based games or they aren't sure i'd say safety is fine it lets you earn a lot more money also which kind of breaks the balance because uh, you might find it too easy and uh, i'd say start with easy and then if it if it still feels too hard you can drop to safety because uh, if you start in safety you can't switch to any other difficulty wait you can drop to safety from easy you can drop to any you ah. can switch difficulties from anything except if you get to safety you cannot switch yeah, out yeah you cannot it. switch out yeah. yeah 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 and even more than that speaking of breaking the balance uh, that is also possible on other difficulties with the right social links so your combat can actually become a lot easier if you're talking to the right people because they give you 
crazy good discounts on items that that become helpful in dungeons so uh like like you have magic points in most rpgs here you have sp i think that's short for special points or skill points stamina points stamina right? points and uh what this and what this does is this lets you use magic this lets you summon your persona this lets you uh do a, do a bunch of things in 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 combat so uh, with the right social links you can essentially break your limiters on sp by getting items that regenerate your sp so it's 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 really fascinating from that standpoint because uh if you're if you're paying attention to the right parts of it you can es- essentially breeze through it yeah so i'll tell you what like really struck me about this game as somebody who's only been playing all these uh, standard rpgs i'd i'd say the first of all like what what you mentioned the ui yeah. is just incredible like the attention to detail over there is something crazy and then in the first hour of gameplay itself you're required to do some a basic bit of stealth uh where you're ex- escaping from that first uh, like oh party. yeah so uh, yeah. so good point yeah if you notice like how they how the uh, lead character he goes from one behind one crate to the other in this super fast speed and suddenly you know he's almost where the security guard is and just standing right behind him almost so that animation was also killer so there's these tiny tiny things little, little details which really struck out to me and yeah one more thing which tells me that the game is really good is i think about 3 uh, or 4 days after i first played the game i mean the disc is not with me it was with rishi so he just took it back with him uh, i was just like thinking about something i was like okay there was this very good anime that i was watching somewhere it was it had a great story in which you know there was that character who was stuck and he was being interrogated and all i couldn't remember what it is and then it finally struck me that it was persona <laughs> so i was like okay the story is actually killer and i need to play the full game which hey, i will be doing yeah like soon. you ain't seen nothing yet yeah was, exactly but uh, no i thought you were going to bring up the soundtrack which is something else which these games are known for uh, they are very uh, non conformist with music because a lot of uh, uh, like western and uh, japanese role playing games go for an orchestral feel like try to make everything feel grand in the everything but persona just throws all of that away and you have like j pop and rappers and uh, like the persona <laughs> 3 battle theme and someone saying baby 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 like 100 yeah. times so uh, it's very different from your average uh, uh, your average music that you'll have in rpgs uh, in fact like the uh, the closest to coming to these uh, games in terms of music is the legend of heroes games because even they uh, go in their own thing for each uh, entry but persona 5 uh, instead of going for j pop or instead of going for a more mellow dark thing uh, it had in, it has influence from catherine which is another game which we uh, brought up a while ago uh, This soundtrack is basically acid jazz there's a lot of piano there's a lot of uh, uh, organ and it blends together really well with the lyrics so it it, it probably will take a while to get used to it but uh, even after like probably 200 hours combined between both versions of the game like I still I'm not tired of that battle theme so yeah So, yeah, and nice. it's it's like another uh, it's probably one of the fewer games where people have been asking me where they can buy the soundtrack from since it's not on iTunes and there are people willing to import the soundtrack from Amazon <laughs> Japan and the like so it is really really good yep yeah so yeah overall quite impressed with it even though i have you know only played maybe one hour i mean you're going to be talking about it like when we talk about what we're playing given how long this is like for mm. the next 10 episodes at least you're going to be saying yeah i'm at this part in persona 5 it's still yeah. so good yeah, i can like totally lose you know what I'm predicting like, that I, i've been playing mass effect and that game has become like repetitive and boring uh, uh, like at, at certain points 
because what i do is i go to all the side quests and i keep doing every single one of them okay. so i can only like i can't even begin to imagine what's going to happen to me in persona 5 I think I'm going to probably you know like go bonkers and throw my PS4 away because I can't finish that game at all. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. In case you're listening in and you're wondering where you can buy Persona 5, uh sad fact is it's not coming <laughs> to India at retail officially. Uh well that's because the distributor Sundar Electronics thought it was a good idea not to place any orders for the game. I have no idea why that was a good idea but I that that's the situation we're at right now. Yeah, that, that's odd we, considering that the grey market has been flooded with the the copies of these games. Yeah, right? well, I mean you could uh, it's the copies have been available since last Friday. Yeah. And uh steelbook editions as well. Mm. And it's available on eBay for I think 4290 bucks. Uh you can pick it up digitally for 399 on PSN. But uh, yeah, it's not available at retail officially. If you thought you could find it at your local store or on Amazon, uh good luck with that. That's not going to be the case. I mean, what I would suggest is and if you think this is a problem, well, uh you should do what some nice people did back in the day, which is complain to the developer directly that hey, your games aren't available. That happened to Witcher 2. Witcher 2 didn't make it to India officially and uh, a bunch of people complained about it. A, a month later stuff showed up. So, who knows? Maybe that'll be the case here, but right yeah, now Yeah, but doubt it, man, because that that was a PC gamer crowd that was mainly complaining about Witcher 2, wasn't it? True, so, but then did they you, not have anything else to complain about at that point? <laughs> at that point, no, they didn't have much. So yeah, that's yeah, th- I really doubt if the PlayStation crowd is going to write. No, to the like uh, I, what's going to happen is similar to what happened with Yakuza Zero. Uh, if stock showed up, it would be a very small quantity, probably in the uh, small hundreds. It would sell out instantly because uh, it would be priced a little lower than it would be outside, or even at full price, it would sell out. and then there wouldn't be stock there'd be a shortage and eventually if a second batch showed up it'll just be stuck on the shelves yeah, this so is what we've seen with yakuza 0 so the minimum order quantity for a playstation 4 game is 300 units even if they brought in 300 yeah it's going to be that situation where it sells out there will be a gap whoever needs it by then will either buy it in gray or buy it digitally and that's a problem india has been facing in fact like if you know people with amazon prime in the us it'll officially importing it to india will cost about 4500 for the steelbook edition with the discounts and with everything paid for so yeah. that's also an option although there are some legit sellers on ebay who have it for under 4500 for yep. the steelbook edition at least they had a few days ago yep it's so, still available for that price so yeah that's a scene with persona 5 hope that helps you guys out but on to more pleasing topics uh yeah i, I think we should talk about this whole uh, some games coming to india which is a uh, blizzard finally has an official presence right yeah i guess blizzard finally found india chill enough yeah so now hearthstone is available in india no uh, <laughs> not hearthstone sadly <laughs> not hearthstone and <laughs> not heroes of yeah. the storm it looks like uh, okay so basically blizzard uh, and e express interactive have uh, partnered up and e express interactive will be handling blizzard entertainment games in india yeah uh, this includes diablo 2 diablo 3 uh, diablo 2 on pc mac diablo 3 on pc including the battle chest and also on all four consoles uh, overwatch on consoles and on pc starcraft on pc uh, world of warcraft and world of warcraft in addition to world of warcraft legion and warcraft 3 and warcraft 3 so basically a lot of titles uh, most of them priced very well some of them priced a little on the high side uh, cough overwatch cough but uh, <laughs> basically uh, the titles will release go according to the retailers website on 25th april yeah so that's a, so long story short it's really weird because uh, blizzard and activision have are essentially the same company for a lot of practical reasons but uh, they operate differently and while activision still has its own distributor and worldwide cd rom 
Blizzard decided to go with uh, w- with uh, Express. Now, what this means, and which is nice, because uh, in the past, the last uh, release of any Blizzard game through Worldwide CD-ROM was a Diablo 2 battle chest, which was in like uh, early 2000s. So it's good to see that, okay, finally, they've decided to take India seriously. Uh, what, what this also means is you, you don't have to download... Uh, 40, 50 gigs of Overwatch, you can just, you know, you can finally pick up the game off the store shelf. No, it's the, you're still going to need to download because of how Overwatch is. Uh, even if you put the disc in right now, if you've just bought a fresh copy, you're going to have to download like 15 GB, which is the whole game again. Yeah, there you go. So Overwatch, uh, yeah, you're just going to be using the disc as DRM if you get it. Yeah, so that's the scene with that. And what's interesting though is, it just shows they've started taking India seriously. Uh, the game's done very well here, uh, from all accounts, at least unofficially. Whatever stock came in moved really well. Uh, some people in the supply chain claim that if it showed up on time, it could have done numbers similar to Call of Duty. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Uh, it probably would have done half, in my opinion. But at least it's a, it's the fact that people are taking this seriously. More so when you have companies like NVIDIA who actually had their own Overwatch tournament at Cyber Cafes here, which is a big deal before the game's even officially available. So yeah, it's pretty hyped up. The cosplay community, for some reason, is all over it. And uh, there seems to be a lot of buzz around it. And it's been that way since launch. Which leads me to believe that Overwatch at four grand on PS4 and Xbox One and 3299 on PC for a year after launch is too high. I yeah, feel that ridiculously high. I don't know how many people will bother because the game's already had a couple of price drops during Black Friday. How many people will pick up at, at this price? I don't know. It's considering you'll have to download everything again. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough sell. But it's from a strategic standpoint, it's good to see that Blizzard's finally taking India seriously. And it should come, it, to me, it's a bit of an amusing situation because Riot Games just started business here with League of Legends. So it's nice to see that Blizzard's finally come to the party, one of the last few big publishers without who actually weren't doing anything in India and now finally decide to. But uh, the games themselves, uh, I don't know how many people are going to pick them up, to be honest with you. Because, I mean, Diablo's old. Diablo 3, like, yeah, people will probably play, are probably still playing it right now. But I don't know how many people more will pick up because... The game was been the, the game was out since 2013, and you're going to tell me that it's going to be officially available four years later. I don't know how many people are going to bother. The same applies to StarCraft 2. The game's been around since 2009, 2010. Wings of Liberty is that's when Wings of Liberty came out. You're trying if it's just because it's available now doesn't mean people are going to buy it. It's no guarantee of success because whoever wanted it would have got a better internet connection or asked somebody to pick it up for them. Mm. So, but it's nice to see it's here. Yeah, that's true. So I think we should also talk about this new game which I don't know if you guys have heard about it it's called Destiny 2 something happened about it in oh. my veins dot gif can I like get off the podcast for a bit? <laughs> Destiny 2 is gonna be epic don't hate yeah the generic cover I definitely suggest so oh. <laughs> yeah well so this is the one time where I'm happy buying digital so I don't have to look at that garbage cover art it's bad <laughs> I will agree it is very 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 bad it's horrible like seriously Activision seriously Bungie did you even market test that that's just bad. Oh, wait, they probably market tested it. That's why we have it. It looks like advanced. It looks like an Advanced Warfare expansion pack. The Adva- advanced Warfare has similar box art. Same publisher. So, yeah, but Destiny 2 is a sequel to 2014's best 5 on 10 game called Destiny. <laughs> where, 5 on 10. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a 5 on 10 at launch because yeah. it, the first mission was really cool and the premise was really cool, but the rest of it ended up devolving into really, really crappy fetch quest style gameplay. It got better with expansion packs. I've played every one of them. Uh, to me, uh, the the 
the rise of iron expansion is really good and even the one before that uh which uh who had that villain whose name i forget which kind of slips me right now yeah so with, with these yeah. games like i've noticed that some games they don't really do very well in you know initial reviews ultimately the developer cares enough that you know they become better so i've heard similar things about no man's sky but not touching that yeah uh, it's um, worth it now i still play it it's gotten like seven updates over the last three weeks in fact really good so far and uh, they've actually been like listening it's like they woke up after a while and they're like shit we need to fix this <laughs> so whatever they've done is good the creative mode in fact is the best i just keep playing that and photo mode is also amazing in it so it's good if you like exploring but uh, the problem is reviews don't change uh, you still have that same meta score like drive club was garbage when it launched initially but then it turned out to be one of the best racers yeah and everyone forgot about it sony in fact like went full and axed evolution studios in fact most of the people at evolution who worked on drive club are now at codemasters working on dirt so basically yeah, reliance is owns codemasters so yeah you kind of have them to 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 thank for 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 those people still having jobs but yeah coming back to destiny it got better with taken king which is the first major expansion and that was really cool because they actually so so the game has some really really amazing lore some really good backstory some really good narratives and the sad part though is that to access most of them you have to pick up grimoire cards and grimoire cards you could read them on 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 your console but then you have to go into a menu and read them or you could read them on the via the destiny app on your phone so it wasn't exactly integrated in the universe how it should be and hopefully this gets fixed with destiny 2 uh the combat was amazing the gunplay moment to moment gunplay just reloading shooting firing was amazing in in destiny 1 because it is no surprise because bungie made the original halo trilogy which was well as good as it is so so the moment moment gunplay is really cool the lore is really cool but the overworld the way missions were structured was well not that hot and neither was the way the lore put in the world it it wasn't put in a in a way that was you know accessible so hopefully this changes with destiny 2 it seems to be that way because uh we saw a launch trailer which had two different uh leaders or guardians as they're called so uh you actually have guardians which are interested in protecting whatever's left of humanity you can think of guardians as um well the dystopian version of the power rangers in a way with all the cool helmets so not like stuff. those random robots which have that weird piano tune in zelda yeah same thing same okay. guy <laughs> what's your point oh is oh god so wait since destiny takes place in space are they guardians of the galaxy yes they are <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you so you essentially play as a guardian and so the, the launch trailer had two different guardian leaders uh, talking about what happened so destiny one took there's a social hub known as the citadel which is known as the last uh, the last uh, you know human city and uh, well just before destiny 2 uh, a massive force a- alien force invades the citadel and throws everyone out and destroys everything so you have these in the launch trailer there these two guardian leaders were talking about from their perspective one which is trying to appeal to the you know the the good in all of you to rise up and help the world and the other guy saying that i want to get my stuff back i'll kill you if i don't get my stuff back and yeah there's epic loot for everyone So it's trying to appeal to both audiences those of us who want a cool story those of us who just want to play it for the loot which is amazing so you have so for those of you who don't know Destiny 1 had some really cool weapons one of them was called uh, LDR 5 501 which is long distance short for long distance relationship 501 because of the proclaimer song i will walk 500 miles and i will walk 500 miles more and they, they even had so so all, all their weapons have their own unique lore around it which is pretty cool 
Yeah, so you know what, based on your description of Destiny 2 and the trailer and all that, it reminded me so much of Mass Effect, you know, because it's happening in space and there's a Paragon side and there's a Renegade side and then uh, these Guardians who are coming to the Citadel and destroying everything. Um, yeah, seen everything in Mass Effect 2. Yeah, it it is a little, actually, if you think about it, Destiny is what would happen at the end of Mass Effect 3. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that that would be like... So it's, it's still a bad ending then. <laughs> hey man, don't be hating. <laughs> So yeah it's looking really cool looking forward to that. Oh like, music probably won't be as good though. Oh yes that's something you guys have to keep in mind. The music of Destiny was really good. That's because it had Marty O'Donnell who was responsible for all the Halo music and Halo ODST. All the good Halo music. Yeah all the good Halo music and Halo ODST which is god tier. And uh, he's not working with Bungie anymore. He's uh, struck out on his own. So yeah, that 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 the music may not be that hot. But that aside, it's looking to be quite interesting. Yeah, all right. So Rishi, you want to talk about this uh, latest update on the Xbox Scorpio? Since you're the only person here who's excited about it. Yeah, hey, man. It'll be gadget of the year 2017 for him. Yeah, after <laughs> getting like a five one seven. No, so jokes aside, <laughs> yeah. So, so rumor has it there's going to be projects. Uh, Xbox Scorpio is going to be announced uh, this week. It's probably going to happen. The other, the, the adjoining part of this rumor is that's going to be announced on Digital Foundry of all places. Now, for those of you who don't know, Digital Foundry is one of the leading places to check out game benchmarks. So, if you have, a, suppose you have an Xbox One, a PS4, and a PC, the Digital Foundry is the place to go to to find out whether or, or on what platform a game will play best on. So they do really thorough, in-depth stuff, and they and they have a, a hardcore audience. Now it's now if this rumor is true, it will be very interesting because it means Microsoft is very confident on the spec of the projects of, of Project Scorpio. It basically means they're willing to put themselves out to an audience that's extremely discerning, and who literally counts frame rates and counts pixels at every given possibility. Yeah, so this is basically the gaming PC Microsoft would build for its games. Possibly so, but. What's interesting is that these rumors also suggest that Call of Duty, Red Dead Redemption 2, Forza Forza 7 and uh, are basically some games that are going to be shown off in 4K. Now why this is interesting is because as far as we know, public knowledge that Sony has the marketing rights for Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 and Call of Duty. So why would they show up on Microsoft's announcement is yet to be understood. Uh at the same time they've also said uh Battlefront 2 is going to be a part of it. Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is possible because uh EA and Microsoft have a long-standing relationship. EA Access is currently on Xbox only and PC. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they show it off with because as far as we know there is no Microsoft first party lineup this year aside from well state of decay 2 and sea of thieves forza 7 and forza 7 there that's all that's all there is and these are crackdown exactly crackdown 3 if it doesn't get delayed probably going to get delayed yeah. man so the way we see it it's very weird because microsoft doesn't have its own exclusives at least anything really big out of the gate just yet so unless they have a new halo to announce which seems unlikely uh they might depend heavily on third party but it's odd that some reports are saying that you're going to see red dead redemption 2 on their sh- on their show floor because it's a sony game as yeah. for all for marketing purposes yeah so that's what's going on but what's interesting is that that is the conference they have on spec because to be honest it's a little too late for that i feel that we're ready more than midway through the console cycle the console the xbox on came out in 2013 already in 2017 you can safely expect sony to announce a new console in 2018 ship in 2019 All right, Microsoft will probably have to do the same. Who is this for? Who's going to buy it? I mean, it's a little too late in my opinion. I think they're going to. Uh, this is going to start this new cycle of uh, 
the power flip flopping between both where you have Microsoft releasing in end of 2017 Sony will release like maybe a year and a half two years later and then again Microsoft will come out at that time so you're basically you're going to have like multi platform games looking better on different platforms quicker as opposed to how it was with the uh, PS2 Xbox and then PS3 360 and stuff like that yeah it's essentially consoles are going to follow the iphone form and plus we're going to easily see the playstation 4 pro drop to 300 dollars this holiday season or uh, when microsoft releases their quote unquote premium which uh, phil spencer has like drilled it into everyone's head that it'll have a premium price as a premium console which leads us to believe that it'll be more than 400 like safe to say 500 yeah. plus so i don't know 500 plus would be suicide in my opinion now what else does a premium price mean because exactly. your your xbox 1s launched at 300 dollars with 500 gb uh, and now that's available for those 200 yeah so i don't know it's a question of one it's a question of the price and how quick microsoft drop that price and i will agree with mike well we're, we're going to see a ps4 price drop immediately and that's the safest to quickest way to counter it mm To be honest, I think it's reached a point in in the console life cycle where uh, everyone should just either play on a PC or the Switch, <laughs> because uh, if if all you're after is you know better processing power and better pixels and better experience, well either you go for an experience that's radically different, which is on the Switch, yeah. or you that's go for that's not going to give you the pixels and all though. Like people who buy the Switch don't care about that. Like or I remember when Splatoon 2, like we both played the test fire demo. It was damn good. We had fun. And I still see people complaining. Oh my God! It's only 720p. Like the, the switch is not for you if you're which like is, one of those. Which people. is why I build a PC, yeah. right? Which is why I build. But a PC. then no Splatoon. So that's what are you gonna play? Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, an early access survival game. That's so unique. No. I'm so excited. Counter Strike Global Offensive. Man. Oh wow! <laughs> Even better. Esports, dude. Even better. Counter Strike Global Offensive. All so, right yeah. then. You guys wanna talk about the games you've been playing this week? I think Mike should go first. Yeah. Okay. So I've been playing The Legend of Zelda still. and uh, binding of isaac's actually come down because every time i pick up the switch i've just been booting back into zelda and <laughs> trying to find new stuff to do uh rishi's already abusing me silently from the <laughs> other side of the room but so far really enjoying uh zelda in fact uh, the the few good things about final fantasy 15 have already been done in like the first 5 hours in zelda for me so it literally feels like uh Square Enix is just completely gone after this to me, because uh, it's one of the rare open world games that literally lets you do whatever the hell you want. It's only limited by your stamina and your hearts, which like initially you get destroyed. So yeah, been really enjoying it. Yeah, I've seen those screenshots and gameplay videos where people have like some twenty-five, thirty hearts. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm getting there. Like I'm, okay. I'm on five hearts right now, and like. a few stamina upgrades and really enjoying it so far in fact like just seeing random stuff on the map and like trying to get there and doing stuff so yeah it's the whole todd howard thing but there's no bullshit <laughs> so basically it's uh, it's basically the Jap- japanese version of fallout 4 it's good though <laughs> no fallout 4 is really good no it isn't that's debatable no it isn't we'll discuss this outside yeah yeah one on one yeah one on one yeah been, been playing uh, zelda it it's definitely uh, not a, like i wouldn't give this a 10 for sure but like it's so good so going to continue playing this and uh, i i actually didn't carry my switch with me today because like drained it in the morning playing zelda uh binding of isaac one thing i've realized for sure is uh, it runs like garbage on my iphone 6 compared to the switch so <laughs> i just deleted that version i'm going to stick to playing it on the ipad and the switch and uh, making a little progress almost completed the game for the first time on the switch uh, mm. day before yesterday so so you got all the items 
no you can't do all of that in one playthrough yeah, but like i unlock some new items which i had no idea about and also reach the final boss yeah that so, game really needs a guide i mean half the time i don't know what each item does <laughs> <laughs> yeah the so basically that's all i've been playing so yeah, what about you yeah, what about you pranay okay fine i'll go first so i've uh, finished this game called the last of us i played the remastered edition on the ps4 i've spoken about it on previous episodes as well so finally got to the ending and i don't think it's that bad not as bad as you know some people on this podcast seem to think it is uh, then mostly the interesting thing was that it's a linear game yeah sure but after the ending was done i wanted to like see if i could make another choice i mean i believe rishi you also had a similar experience with yeah, that yeah it was right? really weird but then again yeah. so like i had to like blaze through that game in 3 days for a review and this was like when i was when i was writing writing a review for a, for a few other sites and Yeah, I I got back to the last part of the game and just reloaded it just to see if I actually had a choice if I skim through it and I didn't. And yeah, I I do agree that this You know is what I was half expecting that if I take a different turn in the hallway maybe I'll get a different choice or exactly, something. Exactly, exactly. But but didn't didn't really work out that but way. But that game man, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what to say. I think it, that's the game which started Sony's cinematic storytelling. No, approach properly it's like the one which is now seeping into god of war also i disagree i think it started with uh, uncharted 1 and uncharted 2 yeah Because but you can even see the last of us influence in uncharted 4 it's i isn't I don't think it's influenced more than a new narrative peg because they okay. wanted to push it in another direction so i don't know if it's an influence because we can't have i mean i'm sorry it's a, god of war at its core is crazy over the top fun it's like Kratos I'm just, is, I'm just, is essentially the male version of Bayonetta, except Lamar. In my I'm opinion, I'm just going right? by what they showed so, us in that initial reveal at but, E3. But so. the problem is, Trailey and Druckmann aren't coming here, so it's not going to work out. So, okay. yeah. Did they not block you like he did? Come <laughs> here, <laughs> won't block, man. He's awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So. Yeah. So the whole cinematic experience that you guys yeah. just uh, spoke about—that's yeah, one of the highlights of the game as far as I'm concerned. Really loved the equation between Ellie and Joel throughout the game. and also a bunch of other characters who just randomly pop up here there but they have so much personality yeah. it's not like they're just props to enhance these two characters i think uh, like the voice acting is some next level stuff in yep. this game for sure totally oh, yeah, agree yeah. yeah and what is really interesting is that uh, fun fact pre release uh, uh, for all reviewers we are told talk what you want about the game but don't don't talk about what uh, nolan north's voice role is mm. and yeah that was like when you actually get there it's like yeah. what it, that that level was crazy that was a snow level yeah, right yeah, yeah. yeah that, that was, was really crazy insane level can't see a damn thing and i'm dying 50 times because some guy is just popping up in my face yeah. and shooting my face off it was crazy but yeah i mean uh, another thing that was very very interesting th- uh, throughout the game i noticed was how linear it is i mean i hadn't really expected this kind of experience con- considering that i all i play mostly is rpgs everywhere so it's like uh, you want to go to the third floor of a particular building you can't because like it's very conveniently blocked and then only way you can go yeah. is the one door that's open in front of you so pretty much impossible to get lost in this game yeah Yeah. So yeah, the other game that I've been playing is my free to play game of the week. Mike, oh. have you heard of this game? It's called Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> What year is this? <laughs> so sorry. Like son, I finished playing this. I've spent too much money on this and I moved on already. <laughs> What? You're not playing Hearthstone anymore? Yeah, Overwatch took over. Like literally after I started playing Overwatch in May when it released, I stopped playing Hearthstone like a month later. Yeah, that's the one, one thing Blizzard to did to your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I pretty much uh, started playing it again because yeah, I have a new iPhone seven, so wanted to see if it works properly on that. Last time I played it, it was in the iPad three, and used to stutter a lot on that one. It was fine. Um, iPhone seven yeah. exclusive smooth animation. <laughs> <laughs> 
it yeah. will actually be best on uh, the 7 plus yeah screen size yeah for yeah, the screen size yeah so except uh, i don't i don't think blizzard has uh, optimized the ui for that screen so it looks a little bigger than it should but yep. uh, Yeah otherwise I I'd say that's the ideal screen size Yeah but still this. some annoyances in the game which is I got a phone call in the middle of the game and I lost my progress so I had to start that yeah, game over Yeah that's that's how it is yeah. but uh, one thing I will give them though uh, they've uh, they the game works even on a 2G connection Yeah, yeah. internet wise no issues yeah, yeah for it's, sure it's really handled well and uh, I don't know how what about the battery drain on the phone because I after getting an ipad you don't really play on the phone yeah that's true the battery drain wasn't like too bad because i was when i started playing it i was at 21% battery okay. and there's those first five missions right the tutorial missions yeah. uh, practice missions whatever so i think i got through those with like um, 17 or 16% battery remaining which means it's quite fine so how are you finding it because uh, they're like uh, even though blizzard has been trying to make it more welcoming to newcomers by removing certain card sets which are really old Uh, you're still like three expansions behind everyone else now in terms of cards. So, uh, did you try playing against normal people like random? No, this time I didn't. Last okay. time when I was playing it on the iPad, at that time there was no um, adventure mode, whatever that single okay. player mode is called. Uh, that time I was only playing against people, and I noticed that some cards are already missing. Like there was this one weird fireball card which used to cost like eight uh, mana, and then um, like it would fire a random fireball at any card. It could be the hero, could be any. Oh other no, minion. that's Ragnaros the Fire Lord. It's a legendary. Uh, yeah, so I I got that card at that time, but now it's not there. Even though I logged in the same account, so I don't know what happened to that. No, but it should be there, but it's not there in the standard set because hmm. it's now been removed from rotation because it's too old. Hmm. So yeah there would be some cards which they've done that with but keep playing I want to know how how it feels for you because uh, there's a lot of cards which I mean even when I consider going back I'm like I don't want to spend more on this now I'll just Yeah I'm definitely watch. not going to spend anything on oh, this so game Oh so I don't yeah. think that's going to work out for you because uh, even though it is free to play whenever they release an expansion I'd recommend just getting that if you're enjoying the game so you continue playing it because otherwise you're going to have a hard time and it's going to become really grindy Yeah so that that's what that's the problem with all these games right the uh, good games fire emblem heroes etc it's that eventually you'd want to pay in the game to progress uh, for a while otherwise it becomes a bit too yeah, grindy and unfortunately even though F- fire emblem heroes had an update today with new territories added india was not one of them <laughs> so soon yeah. okay so rishi your turn uh so i've been playing persona 5 we spent i think half the podcast talking about it so yeah that game is still so awesome uh still playing a shitload of that been playing that and Aside from that I have been playing uh ukulele which is uh made by the same guys who made Donkey Kong Racing uh Banjo Tooie Banjo Nuts and Bolts and it's pretty cool it's it's a very nice throwback to old school platformers and uh I mean it's 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 an interesting vi- very vibrant pop in your face colors it's very pop, pop. It, it the colors just pop it's in your face it's really cool and uh been playing those too um that aside yeah it's just that either been on the either banjo either sorry ukulele or uh, persona 5 that's all mm, yeah playing. i can see how that persona 5 how much of a time suck it can be yes. it's going to be because even uh, it's not going to if you want the true ending and uh, yeah we should say that the game has multiple endings yes. i think it has seven endings i'm not sure like a lot of them are bad endings and there are two good endings and one true ending what is the true ending true ending is what you're supposed to accomplish in the end yep. and it's the canon as they call it yeah. this is what actually happens but if you make wrong decision somewhere you will Then get, you get a, a good ending no okay you get yeah. a bad ending yeah so uh, and the true ending has more content to it so i'd say at least 100 hours to get the true ending yep 
at oh, least. Okay. In fact, uh, a lot of people have compared this to The Witcher 3 in terms of quality with no filler and all that. They've been like, this is the JRPGs have got their Witcher 3 now. Hmm. Like, because when whenever people, anyone releases an open world game, we keep saying in a post-Witcher 3 world now. Hmm. But I thought JRPGs got their Witcher 3 with Final Fantasy 15. Chapter if 13. some angry internet commenters are to be believed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think they reached chapter 13, so yeah. No. Yeah, sure. In fact, even Nier Automata is so much better than Final Fantasy 15, and that game's budget is probably cost less than the microphone I'm using to record this podcast. <laughs> yeah, also. exactly. Like, that game, did, anyway, like, yeah. I, enough hating on Final Fantasy 15 for this episode. Yeah, yeah for we'll this episode is a very time. important qualifier. <laughs> we'll save it for next time. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that's about everything we have for this part of Transition. And we will see you right after the break with a discussion about the science fiction show Legion. I think we should first introduce the people who are on this podcast. First of all, we have our resident pop culture nerd, that's Akhil Arora. Hey, everyone. And we also have Akhil's minion, that's Royden Serejo. Gee, thanks, Pranay. Hi, everyone. <laughs> when did he become my minion? What is this know. about? In terms of pop culture, he's also a mini nerd right now. And uh, same status for me as well. I'm your host, Pranay. So, I think we should first introduce the TV show itself. Yeah. So, Legion is basically a Marvel character. We don't exactly know why he's called Legion just yet, if you just watch the TV show. But this is a character who has a power of uh, telepathy. He has a power of telekinesis, which means he can move things with his mind. He can talk to people through his mind. And he can do a whole bunch of things, which simply through his imagination. So the important thing in, in this TV show is that it starts off extremely well, which is why we got really excited and saw the entire season. And how it turned out, we'll be talking about that in a little while. So as always, there is a massive spoiler warning here. So if you haven't seen the TV show and if you don't like spoilers, then do not listen right now. Just stop and go watch the show and then come back. And if you don't mind spoilers, then carry on. So first of all, I think the most important thing in this TV show is that we should talk about the unreliable narrator, which is what makes this show what it is, right? And the narrator himself, like before sort of the premise that you just gave people for those who haven't seen the show will probably think this is going to be like an amazing like action piece in the beginning but it's not going to be because he's not that self-realized you know full mutant as he is from the beginning because uh, when we find him in the beginning he's not really using all these powers because he f- he believes and everyone around him believes that he's yeah. he's suffering from schizophrenia which is why he's institutionalized in a hospital which is where we find him right in the beginning and the Man is actually not even called Legion at that point. He's still not called Legion. We still have even towards the end, he's not called He's called David Holler. <laughs> yeah, he's called David Holler. Throughout, and yeah. uh, the show is called Legion. And we don't know if David Holler is Legion. The unreliable narrator premise comes from the fact that this guy keeps having visions because he has he thinks he has a mental illness. So he keeps having visions. He keeps seeing things. He keeps going to places which may or may not be as they seem. So there is this one entire episode dedicated to this one uh, mental facility, mental asylum of sorts, which apparently did not happen at all, right? Yeah, so I think this was the second last episode you're talking about. Uh, Sixth, I think. Sixth one, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it was sixth one, yeah. Yeah. Where like he has all of them trapped inside David's mind and then he places everyone, which is... So this is the one in the astral plane where they are... Yeah, so it is in the astral plane sort of because everyone is sort of like the time has stopped, right? So the yeah. end of episode six or whatever, the time stops and everyone's sort of frozen where, which is when the eye dressed as one of them or like sort of, because that's his power, right? I'm still not sure actually on the extent of eye's powers, but the one of his powers is that he can assume people's form. 
Yeah. The eyes. And so that, is, that, that is again revealed only towards the end because initially they show him yeah, in many episodes like, but they don't he, they don't really show him doing anything. Right, other he's than just like, like present everywhere. Yeah, he's just there. He like there. sits in rooms, like follows people around but what does he actually do? Why exactly. is he so scary? Yeah. yeah. Everyone is afraid of him. You can generally tell he's like really powerful but the only power we've actually seen him perform as I just talked about is his ability to like look like other people which is what he does gets in the room and then like start punching out a right machine gun right into mm. David's yeah. front. Yeah, so I think we should like get back to the um, I mean, unreliable narrator part. Yeah. So it's really like t- hard to talk about the show, right? Because the show yeah. like jumps itself around yeah. so much yeah. that yeah. we end up exactly. jumbling around and like, yeah. The un- unreliable narrator thing is also very cool because even towards the end when you hear David himself saying ki, maybe I am actually schizophrenic or maybe all <laughs> these things are not happening. Yeah. You know? And it makes you also question ki, is it, are these things actually happening or is this is all of this happening in his head like you know he's like a mutant with superpowers is this still happening in his head or is this actually happening so i like how it makes as a viewer itself question what you're seeing is actually true yeah well not. that was quite entertaining towards the beginning of the show by the end i got a little tired of that simply because this is a trope that's you know being used in way too many tv shows right now I, think, I believe Mr. Robot was the most recent one to try that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Th- that was a crazy twist as well, Mr. Yeah. Robot. I quite... Yeah, it, it is sort of like a good thing to do sort of for showrunners themselves because it allows them, or gives them a lot of like wriggle room to move around. Yeah. They can sort of show you anything and create anything while, and then sort of pull away the curtain and be like, eh, that wasn't really what was happening. This was what actually was happening. Hmm. So yeah, that, that creates a lot of um, confusion to some extent but I mean by and large I still say I'm in favor of the way they've d- pulled it uh, pulled it off in uh, Legion it's simply because you are constantly wondering whether this guy is really suffering from a mental illness yeah. or is it something else in his mind that's afflicting him so that brings me to the other part of, of uh, David that actually, uh, before you sort of got yeah. there that's why sort of I like the fact that you know the season does not really uh, bifurcate that story into two parts like a lot of shows will what it will do is they will have the first season of just like, you know, him still being that mystery and then sort of uh, take another season to sort of unfold and, you know, take him apart from the Shadow King. But Legion is good and I like that Holly does not, you know, like stress that too much and tells that story of where by end of episode 8, he is separate from the person that was occupying his mind. So in that sense, at least, even though sort of we are confused in the beginning and we are like no idea what is happening for the first six episodes, by episode 7 and episode yeah. 8 they suddenly cleared a lot of things hmm. what you mentioned right that was a very important aspect uh, as, as far as I'm concerned because I got really irritated with the 7th episode simply because until then it was all show 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 and in the 7th episode it became tell 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 so yeah. I really don't like it when they use uh, what do you call it exposition right yeah. so I really don't like it when they have to tell you okay this is happening now and this is the reality and all of this was actually not true so I really enjoyed it enjoyed the show until like you were guessing a little bit whether this is happening or not and what exactly is David Holler who is that random fat monster that keeps popping up you know in his visions so when they finally decided to do that thing where uh, David is talking to another version of himself a logical rational British accented version of himself <laughs> yeah which is his actual accent yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's, a, he's a British actor yeah, yeah so <laughs> he's uh, talking to his rational version and they, he's telling himself that okay so this must have happened and I actually am adopted so I uh, this has happened that has happened that has happened finally like that got really like that got to me in the sense that until then I was really enjoying like playing that guessing game with the creator of the show but you know what I mean I will disagree a bit because actually uh, till that actually happened 
you are still torn between what exactly is happening you don't have any definite answers and i like that mystery but at at the same time it's nice to finally have things explained and you know things uh, put into perspective as to what exactly is happening and then it makes you think back and piece things together and oh yeah maybe now th- now that i now that he has explained this that particular scene makes sense uh, in the previous episode so i like the way they did it also like he's drawing on a blackboard and then those drawings animate and then it sort of shows you everything i quite yeah. like actually like the way they did no, that no i think uh, sort of what rodan hits on is actually very like important for storytelling itself and something that other shows haven't done that well you know like so the pay- what he really talks about is yeah. basically payoff yeah. and payoff is like really important when you've built it to such a level yeah. you have to ensure the answers justify what we've seen so while mr robot's first season like really did this well the second season faltered on this on this level and if you've seen if anyone's seen westworld they will clearly know the show very much falters in that aspect the payoff is just not justify what we've seen in the past 8 9 episodes so in that sense legion's like stylistic appearance and the way it shows everything is justified because the way it presents in the 7th episode is still not just direct one person talking to other person and preaching about it it's still the same manner in what is conceived at the beginning that's that as he experiences things we experiences things which yeah. is what it makes sense right because so it's not like someone else is telling david that would have been very dumb to do yeah. you know someone sat david down and be like you know what david this is why it's happening but because it's david in his own head trying to figure out what is happening to him i feel it sort of as the same works and is convenient at the same time true but i still had an issue with that in the sense that this guy has been alive for what 20 years plus right yeah. so yeah. he chose that particular moment to like think okay maybe something is wrong with me until then it never really occurred to him that that uh, monster in his head is actually you know some kind of a problem and probably it could be another no, person no but that's but the thing the, the monster the monster in his the, head has he been, has a gadget right on the head yeah he has a he gadget and plus all his life he's been told that he is there's something wrong with him or you know you know what that gadget i think it appeared on his head after that scene right so but yeah. i think rodan's got a better point there no 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 but what i'm trying to say is that all along as uh, they explain it through the episodes also is that the shadow king is like a parasite so it's constant as he's trying to remember the truth it keeps changing and rewriting his memory and makes him forget so it, it's automatically creating walls in in his memory in his mind which is not letting him remember the actual truth so if you remember in even from the first episodes where he's hearing voices and people shouting at him and suddenly in the distance he sees uh, the shadow king like glimpses of a shadow king he all he can see is yellow eyes in the beginning yeah. Yeah. but he can't really remember what that is and he, he's too afraid to even speak that out when if you remember melanie yeah. says in the beginning when they go back yeah. they're doing that memory thing in that the reason he's afraid to speak it about because he's being stopped by that exactly he's been stopped yeah. and he he doesn't realize that he is a mutant and he has the power to override him he he i don't think he's not he, that realization hasn't set in yet which is why he cannot really use that yeah, power yeah it's almost like someone in your head sort of like pulling strings right exactly. the moment you like try to like get an answer you like no it doesn't even this even doesn't question doesn't even exist forget it's, the answer hmm. so yeah that i mean yeah that does explain it so maybe i missed that particular point yeah, yeah? uh the other problem i had with this uh, part of the show is that i feel like they were trying to close the loop uh, i mean they had an eight episode first season right yeah. so they had too many loose threads lying around 
so i think that partly the reason they chose this style of narration and eventually what happens in the 8th episode is because they wanted to tie all the loose ends and start the new season on a completely fresh footing right. so this feels yeah. like a complete season in itself because if you stop watching here you already had a story there's no real like cliffhanger like, that really yeah that was a bit disappointing the 8th episode season. was not as exciting as i would as hope from a finale yeah in a sense it was a bit anticlimactic because <coughs> you sort of expected something bigger something right? bigger and because leave, you had been yeah. given this sort of like mystery for six seven episodes like in our heads it had built to a much larger level than yeah. sort of we got eventually yeah i'd say the show could have planned been planned a little better uh, in the sense that uh, maybe, i mean maybe they could have thought of things that are going to happen in season 2 and eventually in 3 and put some of those plot points in there instead of wasting an entire episode like they did with the sixth one right so where i think nothing happens that's where the um, showrunners and the creators like stylistic choices have sort of like you know invaded the other things that could have been done because like so many scenes if you notice especially during the action shots they will always happen in slow motion mm. so many of the things will like it's all about like making it like really good look good, good and t- given sort of an experience to the audience then sort of you know prioritize the storytelling yeah way too much arty lighting happening in it and one episode like sixth episode is the one that i didn't like yeah, at sixth all yeah sixth is the yeah. weakest of the lots by far easily yeah so over there all that was happening was okay we have these fancy lightings we have these amazing things that we want to show you yeah. amazing camera work nice cinematography etc so here's one entire episode dedicated to that in which nothing happens in terms of the story and that's why i'm sort of hoping so like he said then in an interview with holly that you know that season 2 now because so especially for people who have since we have given the spoiler warning the in the post credit scene uh, he's taken away by i'm guessing what is the equinox could be or could not be could be 100 different things we really don't know but if it, if that is the case and you know with because they have such a huge ensemble cast they can explore the other characters a bit yeah. and he, he said that he, they want to explore like you know what is sid's history what is sid's past and other characters so that that gives sort of gives you and a deeper connection with the characters so when actually like david comes back you will not just be following david you'll be following the everyone around him as well yeah, yeah true but uh, if you follow what happens in the comics basically legion is a superhero who's like um, amazing god level powers uh, he has god level powers yeah. and his main thing is that he has multiple personalities so there are multiple versions of himself that float around so for all we know the entire season that we saw so far could just be like 50 davids who are actually just talking to each <laughs> other creating an entire scene you never know what these creators this is the version of lost conspiracy theory which said that everything was happening in the in the dog's head it was, it was a dog's <laughs> dream <laughs> yeah. this is that level so yeah. so that's the reason that's not going to happen i'll tell you because yeah. is one um, the first thing itself is loosely based in the comics okay hmm. and this is not how what the, his origin story is this is not how it happened Secondly, Holly does not look like the person who, to me at least, when I say, in my opinion, not who he could turn out to you be. You might want to introduce this Holly person. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like I've spoken about him. <laughs> so, for those who don't know, um, Holly or Noah, Noah Holly, Holly yeah. is the creator and showrunner of Fargo. Yeah. And he's also he's previously he's worked on the first two seasons of Fargo, and he's also gonna c- work on the third season, which is coming actually in April, incidentally. Yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, so uh, that was a digression, but thank you for reminding me. Anyway, so so. from the maid looks to me i feel like and he said that somewhere as well i feel like notice that they don't want to stick to what the storylines the comic prescribes them mm. they have he has then his own show in mind he said in places that you know he has sort of a 20 to 50 arc sort of thing in his head and he is thinking ahead which on a original story level line so i hope like it doesn't really happen where you know everyone turns out to be that basically said was a different personality that melody was a different personality that oliver was basically him because that would take the soul out of the show like i really yeah. want to see right now how uh, lenny and the shadow king the same person 
are going to affect Oliver Bird's character because he we have seen very few glances of him. Yeah. Mostly in the astral plane, but he is told to be a very powerful mutant himself, right? So and but he's not the depressive kind of mutant David was when we found him first. He's a very like sort of you know free spirited and like man who seems to be control of himself. Mm. So how Lenny changes that? Because if you even have seen that small glimpse we got of Lenny, she's very different. Or she, it, she I don't know. Looks, it yeah. looks completely different. It looks completely different. Yeah. Like she, ha, she has her legs up on the dashboard. She's sort of enjoying it. And even the song which portrays, like it's, it gives you a feeling that now we'll see, see the real Shadow King sort of, you know, how it wants to behave, not just, you know, because it was being really controlled in David's head. Because David was sort of fighting it. But I feel with... Oliver, there could be a chance of them cooperating together. So I think with that, I'm sort of excited to see how Oliver and sort of Lenny, in, in contrast to how sh- uh, the Shadow King was in David's head, maybe they could like end up working together towards uh, some cause. Because even like the small conversation we see them have, he's actually asking her, you know, where do you want to go? Where, yeah. do, where should we? Where should we find first something? Which mm. is very vague right now, but maybe that could be the case. Yeah, but it also seemed to me like the Shadow King was in complete control of Oliver. As opposed to in David's but case. But I, I think that's because he's let it take control of him. Uh, so that could be the case. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah at this point, we're basically yeah. like shot off shooting in the dark, right? Yeah. We don't know what season is. What Rodden said could easily be the case. Yeah. Okay, so the show was in parts quite amazing, but in parts quite frustrating as well. So yeah. I'll just quickly run through the things that really irritated me. Uh, so one of the things was that Equinox that you mentioned a few minutes yeah. ago. Yeah. Uh, so Equinox is basically some kind of a weapon. We don't exactly know if it is what it is, but it is basically was uh, shown in a post credit scene where a Pokeball-like thing scans uh, right. our lead character and then captures him and takes him away directly. Yeah, okay. but we don't know. Uh, I mean, it could be a weapon. It could be a person also. It could yeah, be. It could be something we we don't know yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah but you know, based on what we've seen, which yeah, is like a, a what, one minute post-credit yeah. scene, right? Yeah. So David is just standing in the balcony and this uh, Pokeball just comes in and you yeah. know, captures him. As sort a of reminded me of Black Mirror as well. You remember the yeah. White Christmas episode? No, if no. you haven't seen that one. I have, I have, but I can't. Uh, so the, basically the Mad Men, the John Hamm one, where he's, remember the egg, small egg things where they have... O- entire world oh, inside. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like sort of, because when the small glimpse we got was basically David sort of like banging on the window, right? Correct. Yeah. It felt like there was another world inside. So basically now we have three worlds. We have like the normal world, we have the astral plane, and now we have another the world Pokeball inside. The Pokeball world. <laughs> the yeah. X-Men Pokeball world. <laughs> yeah, or hot in here. So we haven't seen these in the X-Men movies. Where were these things? Yeah. yeah. So... Because that's another thing, right? Because we don't really know the timeline of these things. So like with, with X-Men movies, we know... First class in the, is in the 60s. Yeah. Uh, Days of Future Past is in the 70s. And Apocalypse, which is a terrible movie, is in the 80s. And then the other three ones are like around 2000. But with this show, we have no idea which actually it takes place because there's futuristic tablets merged with 70s clothing and like songs from all over the place. Yeah, that is another very interesting thing in the show. I mean, you never really know what exactly is happening because once one one side you have this Oliver Bird character who looks like he's actually in the 60s. Yeah. And then on the other side you have somebody like the Division 3. Yeah. And all the people in Division 3, which is like the government's arm. And they look like they are some hyper advanced... Um, like a black stormtroopers to me, which they actually have a boat word for that. Oh, Death Troopers. Death Troopers, yeah. yeah. They look but like all of us clothing, like I think, yeah. can be explained because he was sort of trapped in that plane like 20, 21 years have gone past, right, if you yeah. remember. So, it, 
So yeah, so in that sense, then I, we would guess that he would be around 70s or 80s. 80s, then. yeah, 70s yeah. or 80s. But the, yeah. the fact that they have such amazing technology around, clearly, like. But then again, time travel is again something which is very <laughs> yeah. much possible. <laughs> so in it's the comics world, so like exactly trying to find a timeline or like trying to nail a timeline is never gonna be. Yeah, happen. yeah, it's actually going to be quite hard. So yeah, the other thing that uh, frustrated me in this show is that like uh, David is a super overpowered character, right? Yeah. He's like god level, omega level mutant or whatever, and then there's nothing really to stop him but they have to create something right that that is more powerful than david right, yeah. so that you know there can be some kind of a worthy adversary to him so they just randomly pull this master ball uh, equinox thing out of the hat and they <laughs> ra- just send one equinox and trap him right if you can do that right at the beginning then why can't you track where summerland is why does it take you eight episodes of the show to track where this summerland places where all the other mutants yeah, are so hiding that, yeah. that again actually could tie, tie into the timeline of the show itself so um I'm not sure how many weeks passed, but it felt like it was maximum, like I'm guessing one or two months, right? David, David's entire story in the first season. Yeah, it felt to me like it was just, uh, I mean, a few his weeks entire possibly, story, yeah. yeah, but from the point he lands up at the summer land. Maybe uh, a few weeks, right? Yeah, maybe three weeks at most. Right. So how did the, uh, I forgot his name, the guy who interviewed him from Division 3, who got like severe level 3 burn on yeah. his face. Yeah, Kerry, right? Kerry or something. No, Kerry is the no, no, that's scientist. a scientist guy. Kerry is okay. a scientist. Anyways, I know the actor's yeah, name. Yeah, the actor is Hamish Linklater. Hamish Linklater yeah. 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 So anyway, so he gets fully recovered from yeah. getting level 3 burns to like this level, um, which I'm going to take at least take 3-4 months. At the same time, this is only like 6 weeks. So I'm not sure if they really thought about that. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's convenient because it plays them what they wanted into the show because they really wanted like the fact the reason I was like really weird out after episode 7 to see the fi- finale the entire first segment devoted to a character we nobody really cares about They're like why are we focused on a character who is yeah. basically a villain and who's, who's hunting David but the reason for that we find out later in the episode is because hmm. they want Division 3 and David to work together right that's what the, because they said that like multiple times they're like we have to work together we have to work together we have to work together mm. yeah and towards and the end I think he finally agrees yeah that. he finally agrees that, yeah. that's the reason so the, the whole segment existed because they wanted to establish his character because he's going to be much more important in the next season. Yeah, true that. And it almost feels like Summerland is some kind of a gentle black hole where time slows down and the yeah. outside world is progressing at a much faster rate. Yeah, like, I what mean, does everyone else do? Like, I feel like I see 50 other like, you know, random possible people. mutants like walking around. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if they're mutants or they're just normal people. Yeah. They have any, have, even have a plot to play. Because I like, remember the dialogue, I think episode two or something, uh, when uh, David disappears to like find his sister Amy or yeah. the mm. seventh episode or sixth I, I don't think it was the second one it was much later it was much later I think fourth or something fourth yeah. or fifth episode sorry yeah so fourth or fifth episode David disappears he's like I have to find my sister and like randomly goes out in the night right and then uh, because and they, they were in the astral plane together David and Sid and Sid comes and talks to Melanie and Autonomy and Autonomy's like why do you have to chase this guy aren't we in a war hmm. like why is this guy so important you know why can't you just let him go why does he always think about himself and which is what's so like what is the purpose of everyone else around him? Like, yeah. why do they even exist? See, it's like main character and we had the budget for like five other characters and everybody else is just like props in the <laughs> background. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, technically, I mean, why is David even fighting for these people? So I'm hoping it's like yeah. the fact that uh, Holly has said that, you know, he wants to explore the other characters. Mm. Maybe one of those vignettes will focus on Melanie and how she started Summerland. And, you know, how, who these people are and where they come from. Yeah. So I would like really like to know. But I think no, Summerland was started by. Uh, if you remember, she does say that Summerland was created by Carrie and Oliver together. Right. Hmm. And back when, and then Oliver suddenly okay, yeah. drifted off into wherever. Yeah, but the I would really like to know like more about it. Just you know, like a probably we, sh- of we could see maybe more of that in the next season. 
Yeah, so I right guess. now we know like way too little to like speculate yeah. about what exactly is happening. The problem is that there are way, like very very few rules that are established about this universe. So we don't exactly know I mean it's the X-Men universe. There are no rules. Yeah, so <laughs> we don't exactly we don't exactly have a baseline to make make any predictions also. Yeah. I mean David could be imagining all of this. That was one theory. Right. Then there's the other theory which is that this timeline is moving like from um, you know it's it's constantly jumping. so you probably miss something because it happened in a previous time or something isn't happening because somebody jumped to the future you never know what exactly could happen in yeah in i mean this yeah. is just the way x men movies did right like yeah. by doing x men days of future past they basically cancel out the x men the third movie yeah <laughs> that never happened yeah. <laughs> like you made an entire film and 10 years later you made a film to cancel the events of the whole film yeah so legion season 2 will cancel the whole x men universe <laughs> and you'll start a fresh that's how it's going to progress Yeah, so it was good that they focused on one character throughout the season, but I still felt that you know the other people need not have been like prop level uh, characters, which which is something that hopefully the future seasons will, will yeah, yeah, yeah. will we'll correct. So uh, another thing, I mean, any of you enjoyed that what we spoke about a little while earlier that they closed the loop in the first season and did not really uh, you know leave any loose ends for us except for the fact that yeah, I mean Oliver Bird is going south somewhere with Lenny. Um, yeah, I was quite happy that they finally sort of uh, established that you know, okay, David is finally free of the Shadow King, and like at least that that arc is closed for now. Hmm. And then season two uh, starts fresh, like uh, we said, uh, right. where he has a different battle to fight with this whatever that Pokey Orb thingy. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so Pokey Orb thingy. Yeah. I, I like to call it the Master Ball, which can capture any Pokemon if, if you could just you know, in the, it's thrown in the right direction. Yeah, yeah so no one else is is it good enough, right? The only one person they want is David. Like, yeah, yeah. the Sid was Because there, they should have taken her as well. No, but yeah. that's the thing, not the the reason why Melanie really wants David or to cure him or for him to actually realize his true potential. is so that she like she said for uh, for she wants to do that so he can be cured i mean out of thinking that he is schizophrenic and at the same time also use him yeah. to win the war he's the he's the best weapon because, they have yeah because his powers are l- limitless quite possibly limitless because the few scenes we have been shown of you know like the, what the government is because we know like technically these people are like what division 3 would call terrorists right basically mm. yeah. they they are they are causing havoc and we have a government which is like working globally in align to like keep these people in check or like kill them as division 1 wants so i would want to even see you know from their perspective more of what the world is actually like because mm. we have been put too much into summerland sort of you know in a sort of a not a in a sort of back, black hole sort of in a cocoon of sorts you know just like kept away so like what is the world really like what stage are we at and how what are the odds like what are what is this war that they're fighting and if you remember the the interviewer guy who again gets later on gets yeah. those burns on his face whenever he when he's talking to david towards the end he keeps referring to them as gods and he says yeah. that you have to be contained so they all realize that these people are are incredibly powerful and they can actually take over the world right. so they want to sort of contain them to maybe use them for what purpose we don't know and which is why uh, in the initially uh, in the when they are trying yeah, to yeah mostly in the x men universe when they capture them it's to like sort of study them and if they can't be, as if, melanie said right yeah. if they can't be controlled then they're killed then they kill yeah. yeah yeah so in this show they haven't really established what exactly is the good side and what exactly is the bad side so far because yeah. if you notice towards the end uh, david does talk about working together with these people so that they could defeat shadow king exactly. now who exactly is the villain is shadow king the villain is division 3 the villain or are these mutants the villains so so far they've been made it to look like the division 3 is the villain right so the division 3 because we are looking at from yeah. david's point of view so for us D- division 3 is trying to get rid of them but and exterminate exactly, them exactly right in the second last or last episode he says that what is the point of this war like let's work together 
right exactly so from david's point of view also division 3 is not a villain I yes so i think what he realizes is what even like still realizes which, which is why she lets him look at the footage is that you know division 3 and division everyone all the divisions the governments have been looking at this as a, you know very like black and white matter you know that they're mutants and they're us but that's not how the case is there right? because the shadow king is an evil mutant and there are good there are good mutants like david and other people like tommy and like carry and everyone so they need to sort of work together to make sure they're contained not the all of them but the ones that are causing havoc which is the kind of sh- people like shadow king hmm. which is why he co- try to convince so so much that you know you need to work together instead of fighting us and like trying to like kill us hmm yeah so yeah i think besides the shadow king i think we might see even bigger villains like shadow king who are potentially evil and you know so you may see division and david working together to maybe take down those sort of yeah cuz like mutants. right now what are the he's going south for maybe he's going to head to a villain fortress or something exactly maybe he's meeting up with other friends who are going to like cause like let's make schemes guys hmm. <laughs> yeah so i just hope it doesn't turn out to be one of those monster a day type tv shows where like there's a new threat every day looming large and they're right. trying to kill kill that yeah. um, what happened with agents of shield basically <laughs> so no, i think we in that sense we're good because it's not like abc show so we're yeah. because it's an fx show we'll know like it's mostly going to be i think next season is supposed to be 10 episodes yeah so i'm it, a big fan of this crisp short season right yeah format so, so i i really hope like that it's a mini series format in some manner especially when it's eight episodes cuz it it told a coherent story and it was like that's it mm. we're done we're done next season like stranger yeah. things right even yeah, like stranger things yeah. like game of thrones and all these shows like they make sure they're conveying this so sorry and then just like moving on yeah so before we close this episode i think we should uh, definitely mention some of the performances in this show i mean i didn't think like uh, from an acting standpoint at least there were like that many great performances except for lenny uh Aubrey Plaza is amazing. She yeah. yeah, she was she really st- I think stole the show especially towards the end yeah, the, uh, the variety she the, had to like exactly. bring to the role. So oh, incidentally right. I, mean, I read the person I, she was in season uh, in in the first episode uh, by the time like we've reached the 7th yeah. episode she's like you know melting and totally yeah. like lost in there so she changed so dramatically and she managed to pull it off quite well. So incidentally when I because I like the character so much I ended up like reading about how the casting process began and uh inish the character was actually supposed to be played by a man and then they uh sp- spotted pra- Aubrey Plaza and who, who said okay I, i love this character i want to be this but don't rewrite it so like they let the character have the same dialogue as what the is it? male yeah, character yeah. was going to have which <laughs> okay. is why if you notice she actually even as a woman she makes crude remarks against women because hmm. it was written, written for an on old type character for, for a male character mm-hmm. which is very interesting cuz like she sort of you didn't really know like what it is like it says shadow king which means it's he's male but then it's portrayed by obli plaza so it makes it female and then yeah, it, no, it so probably exists only as a consciousness so it goes into different bodies it could because it was temporarily attached to sid and then attached to carry and then it was attached to oliver right yeah so and lenny is also attracted to yeah, women so it's, an so. It. so it's either he she yeah. it and we have no idea what it is yeah and also a dog So, oh, and yeah. don't forget the angriest boy. Yeah, angriest, angriest boy, boy, which, which is, is apparently a... its favorite thing, right? So, it's, it's said there somewhere. Like yeah. my favorite favorite avatar is the angriest, angriest boy, boy one. But I want to know. I mean, is that an actual memory of the David, or is that something that she created? I think it's rewritten easily because it's what, rewritten. What I know parents would actually read yeah, it. Yeah, what kind of father? And he chopped off her head. He chopped off her head. Like, mm, yeah. yeah, that has yeah. to be rewritten. Memory. And mm. it's so clear, right, on all those memory scenes where they're trying to ex- examine what is exactly wrong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's so which is why I feel like so that that seventh episode was crucial for mm. some reason, right? Because we it we needed to be told how much was true and how much was false, and now we have an idea of that. So now I feel like if David does memory work with Tonomini and Melanie again, we will see his real memories. Uh, like 
Actually, that's another thing we, I'm interested about. Like, I want to see the real memories, like what actually happens yeah. without the Shadow King. Yeah, partly also, like, I'm a bit disappointed with this whole, like, I think TV in general needs to evolve out of this season format. Instead, like, focus on creating a story experience and not worrying about when it is telecast and if doing, going this year by year thing. So, partly that's, I mean, you guys clearly like that closed loop structure right. in yeah. this, but I didn't like it so much. I thought that they could have left a few loose ends and, you know, let people wonder what is going on. Let, let them wait till second season and then close those ends in the second season or in Aren't the third season. enough for you the fact that Oliver is going away with like Shadow King and the fact that he's in a, as you said, a master ball thing. Yeah, so I, that master ball thing was like, I, I think they should not have done that. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that really, was a bit stupid. Actually. Yeah, that was a bit hooky and like, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. almost hooky, as yeah. bad as that Harry Potter epilogue, you know, 20 years later they got married type <laughs> nonsense. But uh, I mean, forget that. The Oliver scene was good. I'm not saying that's bad. That's like uh, nicely setting you up right. for the second season. But all the things that they explained in the seventh episode, um, I think some of those things could have, you know, they, they could have let David figure it out in the second season. Right. No, I but see then, what you mean. It, it wasn't as much of a cliffhanger. Like it's not... Because anyway, it's yeah, going to be a fresh want, start, so I'm not like itching, a... I'm not like waiting eagerly for season two. I mean, I am going to watch it, but you know, it's not... I think it sort of it, depends from like mean, sort of creators right? to creators, right? So then in this yeah. case, the team of writers decided that they wanted to tell a cohesive story. Hmm. Some other creators, like, especially like, as we talked about previously, Lost was like really known for this. They wanted each episode to like, you know, have that hook. Like So which, you know, so as you spoke about, you wanted like, you don't want it to be a season by season format. So Netflix sort of does that, right? Netflix like sort of gives you everything on your hand you're like okay watch yeah. it whenever you feel like mm. but the thing with that is it sort of in a media sense it doesn't create that same level of heightened speculation and like talk which a, a episode by episode thing yeah, does yeah and that is another point I wanted to touch upon it's that you know when this show first came out we read all these rave reviews by everyone why because all the reviewers had been given access to the first three episodes of Legion yeah. which are excellent yeah, and those three episodes create yeah. that sense of mystery and drama. But four, five, six is where it slows yeah, down and goes back. Yeah, but that extends to like right? even like Netflix reviewing. That was yeah. So with Iron Fist, like I had access to only the first six episodes. Yeah, which, which was terrible. <laughs> but like not like the <laughs> for the last seven were any any better, but like they were marginally better. So like my review would have been slightly higher if I had watched all thirteen. Yeah, so that that is a problem with Legion, right? I mean, the, if if you read all these rave reviews and articles, like based on the first three uh, episodes, then you think that okay, this is this amazing show, like I don't yeah. know, Breaking Bad, the yeah. wire level of show, which you have to watch, and then you start watching it, and then you know, middle of the season, it slows down again, which is a problem with all shows that are released on TV. Then you know, they will slow down in the middle, and towards the end, once again, they will pick up. So I felt that you know, what 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 happened here was uh, in the in episodes, I think five and six particularly. 4 slowed down a bit but 5 and 6 were like the weakest in my opinion um, things went to such a low state that from there pretty much anything they make in 7th <laughs> and 8th episode will be better so I don't think 7th and 8th episode were of the same quality as the first 3 which is yeah, why especially the first one where you, where you were just sitting and like going like what the hell is actually happening yeah. right, you know that, that feeling I really enjoyed amazing. and amazing th yeah that is what made Legion like a show that I have to watch for me which is a very good And actually, hope. everyone should go out and watch it if you haven't watched it. Or then we've actually spoiled everything for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you got to this point somehow in the podcast, I'm not sure how you survived. <laughs> yeah, alright. So I suppose that's all we have for this episode and we will see you with another episode of Transition next week. As always, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram at Gadgets360. The music for this episode comes via Magnus Solai Paulson, whose album PPPPPP, which is a soundtrack of the game VVVVVV, is where we picked up all these tracks from. <laughs> <laughs>